Welcome to the Unveiling Grace podcast, a place to experience a grace that heals. Allow this grace to take your life and your relationships to another level as it frees you from the weight of performance-based religion. Enjoy another episode as Joel Groh and Lynn Wilder share encouraging stories and candid dialogue that can help you experience a grace that heals. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another Unveiling Grace podcast. So glad you've joined us once again. we got a fresh episode today. My name is Joel Grote. And I'm Lynn Wilder, and I'm excited to hear the details of this story today. Today, we're going to talk to Brandy, and now make sure I say your last name right. Is it Burho? Brandy Burho and Brandy and I connected maybe a year ago. And so my guess is a lot has happened in her life before that. And since that, and she's going to tell us a little bit about it. Brandy was once LDS. Did you grow up LDS, Brandy? No, I uh, actually first, my parents were Jehovah's Witnesses. And then oh. I was nothing. And then I was LDS. Okay, so you've kind of done the gamut of performance-based religions then, you know, um, both sides. So, okay, so start with how, so were your parents converts to Jehovah's Witnesses or were they like multi-generational? What was your background there? Um, They were converts. Um, I don't know the full story. I just know when I was really young, like I was a baby when they were baptized Jehovah's Witnesses. And then when I was in grade two, they were disfellowshipped, but they wanted the four of us to keep going. Huh. And so okay. most so of you, me and your sister, mom and dad and another sibling? Uh, I have three siblings. Okay. So my, but my brothers are younger. So mostly me and my sister kept going, but my parents and my brothers didn't. Okay. Um, occasionally so, until junior high so jw's disfellowship like mormons so what does that mean in the jw faith jehovah witnesses um i know that people weren't allowed to talk to my parents it was kind of weird because like they'd pick us up and they'd talk to my parents but it was like a bad thing they weren't allowed to but they were taking their kids so they had to they at least had to be somewhat friendly or at least somewhat social. Yeah. And do you know why your parents got disfellowshipped? Yes. For uh, smoking cigarettes. Oh, oh yeah. That's a big, big no, no. That's interesting with the Jehovah's Witnesses because they'll allow drinking, like they'll allow social drinking, wine, that sort of thing. But smoking is an absolute taboo. Wow. Yeah. So another example of a performance-based religion, right, that has all these do's and don'ts, and it's all about the do's and don'ts, right? And so I could see how someone who had been raised JW would be attracted to Mormonism. In fact, you're kind of blowing my mind because I literally am talking to somebody this week, and that's her background, grew up JW and she's been looking at going into Mormonism. (laughs) So I have someone for you, by the way, to talk to. So how'd you get into Mormonism from Jehovah Witnesses? So when I was in junior high, 
like me and my sister pretty much stopped going to the Jehovah's Witnesses stuff. And then when I was in grade nine, my family moved to Utah because I grew up in North Dakota and my family moved to Utah. So you guys so, moved to Utah, your whole family? Well, my, my parents got divorced and me and my mom and my brothers moved to Utah. And like the day that my sister went, so my sister also went, but separate from the rest of us. Mm-hmm. Okay. So how old were you and then when that happened? I was 15. Okay. Oh, wow. That's a hard age to like pick up and move and leave everything and everybody behind. Oh, I hated it because I grew up in the middle of nowhere in North Dakota. And then I moved to Utah County where there's tons of people compared to North Dakota. Yeah. Okay. Now, so what, what year about? Uh, it was 2001. Okay. All right. So I would have been there then <laughs> going to and from BYU every day. And you were, you were in Utah County too. So do you want to camp on your parents' divorce at all? Is that, does that play into your story or is that something you want to fly by? Um, I had a pretty chaotic childhood, which okay. led to even before I moved to Utah, I had an interest in religion. I had a, a desire to find God. Mm. And not a lot of direction. And I was super young, so I had no idea what to do with that desire. And really nobody to provide much direction spiritually in your life? No, not really. Like my parents weren't weren't the direction providing kind of parents. Got it. So part of your seeking for God, do you think it had to do with a family that was less than perfect? Yeah. In my childhood, there was a lot of abuse and substance abuse and stuff. And that, that had a, that affected me like it would any kid. Yeah, absolutely. So do you want me to go there? No. Okay. Okay. No worries. <laughs> so I was in Pleasant Grove at first, but then when we got an apartment, it was in Orem. And so I, in grade 10, I, I went to Mountain View High School um and I remember sitting there I knew nothing about the LDS church and there's these kids sitting there at the table with me and they're like well first they're talking about fast Sunday and I had no idea what that meant and then they're talking about like it's basically a rule in my ward that you have to cry on fast Sunday and that statement made no sense at all to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, outside of an LDS context, what do you do with that? So at this point, do you still consider yourself a practicing Jehovah's Witness or are you kind of like drifted away from that? Where were you kind no, of spiritually? I was nothing. Okay. Which um, makes sense. Yeah. So then <laughs> like at the same conversation, this kid who's, like in grade 11 so he's like 
16, he leans over and he's like, this one time I tried coffee and it was like this big sinister thing. And I was so confused. (laughs) Oh man. So, okay. I just, yeah, that would be, have to be so mind blowing because you just got dropped into a foreign culture, totally different language, different practices, different customs. How do you navigate that? it was like my parents had gotten divorced. My sister was living with my aunt and uncle, which my sister is 50 weeks older than me. So we were always really wow. close and not having her in the same house as me was really hard. And this totally different culture that I did not understand at all. And it was hard. Like, I, I don't even know. How you survived the first (laughs) six months. Yeah. So did you have anybody that like befriended you, took you under their wing, kind of helped you? So how did you go about learning the Mormon ropes? So the summer after we moved there, yeah, my aunt and uncle took uh, me and my little brother to the Manti pageant and wow i i didn't really know what was going on i remember afterwards someone asked me oh was it at a temple and i'm like no i don't think so it was at a big building but i don't think it was a temple (laughs) because it didn't look like the other temples i had seen but i remember afterwards thinking that if a 14 year old boy can pray and get an answer then i could too because i was 15 And I remember praying and saying that I will, that like, just tell me what religion to join or what, what to do. And until I figure it out, I'll follow the rules of the two religions I know, which is Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormon, which I was 15. I was basically following the rules anyway, but. (laughs) Okay. So that was the summer that I was 15 and then shortly after that I started volunteering at a place in Utah where they give horseback riding lessons to uh, people with disabilities okay and doing that actually probably saved my life like I was there every single day after school every every day that they were open and I wasn't in school I was there Mm. and like just being around the people there, the horses, everything, it, it meant so much to me. And yeah. that was where I met people who like invited me to go to church. There were, there was one woman who worked there who was uh, a young woman's leader in her ward. And one time I asked her what church was like, and she was like, well, I'll take you to young women's with me. So I started going to that and I would have questions and her son had just gotten home from a mission. And so she was like, well, he can answer your questions. And then I talked to <laughs> him a, a couple returned times. Missionary. Yep. And then they're like, well, let's, let's bring the missionaries. And so then I started talking to the missionaries and 
uh, ended up uh, starting going to sem. This is like basically a year later. This is the summer, the end of the summer when I was 16. Okay. And I started going to seminary. I started uh, going to church with my friend and stuff. And I ended up getting baptized November of 2002. Okay. And all of this was because of a desire to find and to please God, right? Yeah. Also, I think a desire to feel safe and to feel like I belonged mm-hmm. and right. all of that too. Because I'm guessing the people you were volunteering with at the, at the horse riding place um, probably compared to your own home life seem very stable and good relationships and consistency, oh, yeah. they, uh... security. So, it, I mean you were seeing a place where, wow, here's all the stuff that I didn't have that I'd really like to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they were, definitely. and they were LDS. Yeah. Most of them. So that was November of grade 11. Okay. And then April of grade 12, I um, signed the papers to join the national guard. Okay. And so I went away to basic training and then the, the job training afterwards. And then right. At, so during the job training, you get weekends to go away. It was in Maryland and we go to Baltimore for the weekends. Okay. And the last weekend that I was there before going home, there was something, something happened. It was, it was bad. It was traumatic. And it was something that I thought was my fault. And that meant I was ruined forever. Because I didn't do what I was supposed to do. I didn't do what I always said I would do. And so now I'm broken. Yeah. Okay. And And so now there's guilt, now there's shame. And now- You're um, grinning because you you don't want me to go to specifics. (laughs) Does it have to do with chewed gum? Do you remember that? Yeah. Although I had never heard that analogy, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. But I, I was, I, I was too young. I don't, I, well, I don't know if I was too young or too, didn't have the right supports in my life to talk to or what, to understand that what happened wasn't actually a choice I made. It was something that was done to me. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. And so I get home. I actually started dating this guy who was, like he was a return missionary. He was a really nice guy and everything. And I ended up breaking up with him because I didn't want to have to tell him what had happened. Oh. Wow. And yeah, because if it got more serious, I felt like I'd have to tell him and I didn't want to. Yeah. Wow. So how are you going to live without telling anybody and yet going on with your life, girl? That had to be a real conundrum. Well, I met a guy in Nova Scotia and moved to Nova Scotia. <laughs> okay. Now, was he LDS? No. Okay. He was not. And I moved up here to live with him. And we weren't married or anything. And we have two kids together. My older two kids are 
his. It wasn't the greatest relationship. So basically from the time I was in the army, so like 2004 to 2014, I was mostly inactive. Occasionally I would try to go to church, but while I was also living with this guy or whatever, um, I was with him for about five years and then I, I left and then I was in some crazy abusive relationship and I had my third baby in one of those relationships. And then in 2014, I was, I was a single mom of three kids. I had had a few abusive relationships. I had had friendships that ended for no reason. I had no one. I had all of my family was, is still in the United States. So then 2014, I went back to church and I was like all in. Like I was at church every Sunday. I was following all the rules. I was reading the Book of Mormon. I was like doing everything. I was working towards going to the temple. And then in February, 2015, I went to the temple for my endowment. And then in April, I, uh, or no, in May, I met my husband who, he was in a different ward and he had just like started going back to church after about 10 years. Oh, wow. Okay. And, um, so we started talking and everything and we ended up, so that was May. And in November, we were married in the temple, November, 2015. Okay. And for about, I guess, almost five years, everything looked good. (laughs) <laughs> we went to church every Sunday. We had yep. callings. Our kids were in church every Sunday. Our like we we did you everything. Had the temple we recommend. Were supposed yep. to be doing. Yeah, we had temple recommend. We went to the temple regularly. We like our kids were at all the activities. We um we had a baby together that I have a uh she's four now. And but it, it, it looked right, but yeah. it didn't feel right. Okay. Okay. Let's explore that. Shall we, what, what, what do you think might've been off? Well, I, I couldn't figure out why if we're reading the book of Mormon and going to the temple and doing all these things we're supposed to be doing why I felt the way I did why like partly related to my childhood and partly related to just the way I am I have PTSD depression and anxiety and it didn't it wasn't getting better it was like I kept feeling worse and worse um interesting like 
I was just struggling and I couldn't think like I couldn't read the Book of Mormon enough to make it go away. I couldn't go to the temple enough to make it go away yeah. or even feel a little bit better. And yet I'm guessing your expectation was now that you had an eternal family, everything was going to be fine, right? Yeah, or at least better. Yeah. So um, did this come to a head at some point or you? Yeah. Well, even uh, before that, though, I before I got pregnant with my youngest, I got pregnant and I had a miscarriage. And, okay. Wow. And I couldn't figure out what I did wrong that <gasps> that would cause that. Like, why was I like? What was the the punishment for this? Like, what was yeah. this the punishment for? Like, what? Right. Like every like my mental health and the miscarriage and everything. Like, I felt like God was punishing me, but I had no idea what for, and I just wish he would just tell me what I was doing wrong so you could fix it and make it right yeah so, so you know I had six miscarriages and went through the same thing in Mormonism right because the book of Mormon says if you live the commandments you'll be blessed both temporally and spiritually so you're not going to have dead babies and you're not going to have bad health and you're not going to have uh you know, not be able to have a job and all of those kind of things. And yet when those things happen, then it's your fault somehow. Yeah. Yeah. What a burden. Yeah. So are you able to talk to anybody? You know, are, are you talking to your husband about this? Um, or is this just something you just feel like you got to keep inside because you're not allowed to show weakness? You're not allowed to show doubt? Um. I mean, at the time, I wasn't so much, I wasn't doubting the church. I was doubting myself. Right. And I would talk to, like, my, I'd talk to my husband, and he's, he's really great at listening, and, like, he's always been amazing. And I'd talk to church leaders and stuff, and I'd get a lot of, like, read the Book of Mormon more or listen to this talk or right. go to the temple. Yeah. yeah. Try harder, work harder, do more. Yeah. And, and to be fair, like there were people who would say, no, that's not, it's not your fault or whatever. But I, I couldn't stop feeling like I was doing something to cause all of these things. Mm. So what and was the, what was the turning point then? How do you, how do you get out of that mess? Because that's a really tangled, messy place to live. So I didn't even know I needed out of the mess. I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just thought I was doomed to just feel like this forever. Wow. Did you catch that last statement? Brandy said, I didn't even know I needed out of the mess. I just thought I was doomed to feel like this forever. That is a hard and hopeless place to be in. 
And that's where we have to end this week's episode. Have you been there? Is that where you are right now? Wondering if this feeling of never measuring up, of never being worthy of God's love, his blessing, or his approval is your new normal? If so, I have good news. I have very good news. Brandy is no longer there, and you don't have to be either. In the next episode, Brandy, Lynn, and I talk about how she found joy, hope, and healing for her heart and mind that she never thought was possible. Her journey to healing started when she began reading the New Testament part of the Bible and discovered a God very different from the one she knew in her performance-based religions of the Jehovah's Witnesses and the LDS Church. So, you can catch us every week, either on the radio, same time, same station as you're listening in to us now, or on our podcast website, unveilinggracepodcast.com. And if this podcast has helped or encouraged you in any way, feel free to subscribe so you don't miss an episode and to leave us a rating and a review either on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever else you listen in. That encourages us, and it helps others discover stories of grace, hope, and restored relationship to God. So, join us next time on the Unveiling Grace podcast for part two of Brandy's story, and discover for yourself a grace that heals. As Lynn says, grace and peace, friends. Until next time, so long. Thanks so much for listening to the Unveiling Grace podcast. You can find show notes and leave us your comments and questions at unveilinggracepodcast.com. We have an exciting announcement. Michael Wilder's new book, Passport to Heaven, is out, and for a donation of $20 or more to the podcast, we'll send it to you. It's the true story of a zealous Mormon missionary who discovers the Jesus he never knew. Just go to unveilinggracepodcast.com and click on the Micah's Book button to get yours. We appreciate your support of the Unveiling Grace podcast, where you can experience a grace that heals.